Good morning, Sherman Street. Our Old Testament reading this morning is Psalm 30 in its entirety, and that can be found on page 551 of the Pew Bibles. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. This is the word of the Lord. Today's New Testament reading comes from Revelation, it's chapter 5, also in its entirety, can be found on page 1240 of your Pew Bibles. It's Revelation chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne, And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You were worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. 
You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands upon ten thousands, and they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. This is the word of the Lord. I'm here to offer a brief introduction for our preacher this morning. His name is Sam Gutierrez. Uh, He's a local pastor and an author and an artist. Uh, He is currently the associate director at the Eugene Peterson Center. This is a creative imagination center connected with Western Theological Seminary in Holland, Michigan. Uh, He was previously a pastor at Alger Park, Christian Reformed Church, and his books like The Jesus Questions have helped guide some of our previous sermon series. So uh, this is the author behind some of those Jesus Questions things. Uh, Fun fact, he was also my RD in college. Uh, So we've known each other a little while. Uh, But Sherman Street welcomes you, Sam. Thank you, Matt. Very happy to be here. By the way, Matt, do you think he was good in college or was he naughty in college? (laughs) Talk to me. You think he was good? Okay. Talk to me afterwards. I'll tell you the truth. I'm really happy to be here this morning. And to see so many of you here, the kids were wonderful. I love kids so much. And just to see kind of a split balcony thing going on here. The church I used to be a part of, Alger Park Church, we also had a balcony. And the balcony, there was a very unique balcony culture. Okay. So that seems like it's everywhere. Okay. Well, I'm excited to preach from Revelation 5, verse 1 through 14. Before I do, let's pray this morning. God, open up our hearts and our our ears and our eyes and our hands to receive and to hear and to know and to respond to everything that you want to do in us this morning. We surrender our lives to you. We offer ourselves up to you in gratitude for all that you've done for us. So speak to us, Lord. We know that we need to hear from you, your good words. And so we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I'm here this morning with my wife, Kelly. She's sitting over there in the front row here. And we live not too far from here, just down the road in Alger Heights neighborhood. And a few months ago, uh, Kelly and I went to go see the Broadway show right here in Grand Rapids. For the first time ever, we got the Broadway season tickets. You guys familiar with the season tickets? So we've never done that before. We decided to do it. And so we saw right here in Grand Rapids, Ain't Too Proud to Beg. Do you remember that came through? Which is actually about the, the group, the musical group, the Motown uh, group, The Temptations, who had a number of hits that you're probably familiar with. Their most famous song, My Girl. Love that song, My Girl. 
At the end of the show, when the big finale is happening, the stage is full of actors, and just when you thought that you're seeing everything there, you know at the end of shows they bring out everybody, and so the stage is full, and you think this is the final thing, the final production, all the actors are out here, all the music is happening, just when you thought this was the end, the, um, the back of the stage revealed a deeper layer. There was some sort of like transparent screen that lifted up from the back, and there behind what I thought was the back of the stage was a whole band, and they were dressed in white, playing white instruments, which is pretty cool, white drums, white guitar, white bass, and they were playing The Temptations' greatest hits. I remember thinking to myself, whoa, that was pretty cool. I had no idea they were behind there. I use that as an introduction this morning just to talk about the nature of the book of Revelation. Just when you think you know what is going on, there is an unveiling, a revealing. Another layer of reality is exposed, and you get a new perspective about what is really going on. The Greek word apocalypse means unveiling or revealing. So maybe you've heard the book of Revelation called the Apocalypse of St. John, Well, apocalypse means revealing, so hence you get the book, the book of Revelation. This morning I want to take you to two rooms. One is right here in our passage. We'll explore this extraordinary room for a little bit. And then we'll shift to an ordinary room, a room not too far from here, just a few miles away. This is an unveiling of the presence of the living Jesus in two different rooms. I don't know about you, but I am very, very horrible at math. Really bad. I remember as a kid sitting down with my dad on the couch while he helped me with my homework. Every week I had to do this thing called Math Magazine. Was that like a California thing? I grew up in California. Okay. It was called Math Magazine, which is the worst magazine ever. I I realized if I sat there long enough, my dad would just kind of do the math. (laughs) So when I see the words in our passage that angels are surrounding the throne, 10,000 times 10,000, I was quick to pull out my trusty phone calculator. 10,000 times 10,000 is a lot more than a million, 100 million. 100 million. And so, in Revelation, in this scene, when the curtain pulls back, John sees 100 million angels. But John isn't really interested in the exact amount of angels. He's not interested in counting angels. So when the phrase is used, it's really just used to convey a really, really big number. Like, when we want to convey some insane number, we see something like a kajillion. Or a bazillion. And that's what John's trying to do here. He's trying to say there was a bajillion, a bazillion angels surrounding the throne. And then John sees something else. He looks closer. He not only sees a throne, but he sees a lamb on the throne. Alive, but looking as though it had been slaughtered. And then he hears a refrain of praise. 
Only the Lamb is able to open the scroll and break the seven seals on the outside of the scroll. In his vision, John sees a scroll. Now, we don't use scrolls today, but in those times when an important message was to be delivered, it was written on a piece of parchment paper and then rolled up and sealed with a wax seal. In some cases, in order to verify the author of the scroll, a signet ring was then pressed into the warm wax. So if the seal is broken, then you know that the letter has been opened. This is a scroll that is sealed. And so what is written on the scroll? Our passage doesn't tell us. But many biblical scholars have commentated that what they think is written on the scroll is the history and the future of everything. Everything. All things. Past, present, future. Everything from how it all began and how it all will end and everything in between. And why is the Lamb the only one who is able and worthy to open this scroll? Well, who is worthy to see and to know and to comprehend that kind of knowing? Who's big enough? Who's wise enough? Who's humble enough to hold the universe in the palm of his hand? Only Jesus is humble enough, laying down his own life, the lamb who is slaughtered. Only Jesus is wise enough, with seven eyes, meaning that Jesus, only Jesus, sees fully and completely. Only Jesus is strong enough. Only Jesus is just enough, with seven horns signifying authority given by God. Only Jesus, the Alpha, the Omega, the A to Z, who was and is and is to come. Now, if you remember, if you know anything about the book of Revelation, John is writing to a group of Christians, and here he's drawing a contrast to these persecuted and scared Christians, to what they're feeling Under the oppressive thumb of the Roman emperor Domitian, who's systematically killing Christians, who sits on a throne of his own in Rome, a throne surrounded by powerful people and scholars and philosophers and politicians and advisors and servants and musicians, who sing out the praises of Domitian, singing a song of his power and his authority to speak words and affect change all throughout Rome, its territories, even the outer edges of the Roman Empire. Domitian, Domitian just has to speak a word and it happens. John reminds the Christians that yes, Domitian is real and he has power. But Domitian is only one word on the scroll of human history. This isn't to diminish the real threat and the real fear that those Christians felt. But by pulling back the curtain, John wants to put their lives and their circumstances into perspective. The revelation, this revelation, it's an unveiling of the true king of heaven and earth. Jesus who holds human history in his hands, which includes you.
your life, your history, your future is also written on the scroll. This revelation of Jesus is epic. It's big. Honestly, I think it's almost too big. It's almost too big. No matter how far back we stand, no matter how far wide the lens, we have a hard time really comprehending what is going on in this scene. It feels extraordinary. And because of that, the comfort that is, it's, it's meant to offer doesn't always filter down into our hearts to settle our spirit, calm our fear, and our everyday anxieties. It's meant to. But because the picture is so big, I'm not sure it affects our daily lives in the way that John intends. So let me pull back the curtain on another scene. Let's move to an ordinary room, another unveiling of the presence of the living Jesus. Jack is a member of a congregation just like this one. Not too far from here. You won't see him on a Sunday morning because Jack is 98 years old. His body's tired. He's nearly blind. He can hardly hear. He lives at home with his adult daughter who watches over him and takes care of him. A few months ago, two elders and I went to go visit Jack. We knocked on Jack's door and his daughter Kathy answered and let us in. We passed through the small kitchen and took our places around a brown oval table to visit and to talk. I also brought my communion elements, the mobile communion elements that I had to celebrate communion together around that table. When we visit Jack, he'll often spontaneously testify to the goodness of Jesus in his life. I'll often say to Jack, Jack, what you just did, we call that a testimony. Jack likes to give spontaneous testimonies, but he'd never call them that. For Jack, he's just sharing about the God that he loves. So I'm going to share with you one of the stories, one of the testimonies that Jack told us that afternoon when we gathered around his kitchen table. Like I mentioned, Jack struggles with his health. He's nearly blind, nearly deaf. As you can imagine, this causes some struggle and some difficulty. And along with that comes fear and anxiety, especially at night when Jack lies down to go to sleep. I know that many of us can relate to that when things quiet down in the evening at night. We're exhausted and we lay down to go to sleep, but our minds start spinning. Our heartbeat speeds up. We feel unsettled. We feel afraid. We feel troubled. We feel scared. Jack was having those same feelings. And as he lay there in the dark, some words began to come to his mind. The first word that seemed to come out of nowhere, rising to the surface from some unknown place, was the word John. Jack sat with that word for a little bit, puzzled. And then something else came to his mind. This time, it was a number. Six. Jack thought to himself, 
That's strange. He waited in the dark, and then another number came. Twenty. Jack laid in his bed and pieced together the clues he had been given. John, six, twenty. Now remember, Jack can barely walk. He can't see. So thinking about this, he, he thought this might be a Bible verse, but he was unable to turn on the light, page through his Bible, look anything up. And so he did his best to hold on to the three words he had been given. John, six, twenty. In the morning, his daughter Kathy got him up, dressed him, and sitting at the table in his wheelchair, Jack began to tell Kathy what had happened to him last night. John 6, 20. Kathy reached for the Bible sitting on the table and then looked up the passage. They were astonished to read the word of Jesus to the disciples on a stormy sea and the word of Jesus to Jack in the darkness, writing his own ways of anxiety and fear. John six twenty, Jesus said, It is I. Do not be afraid. This is the presence of Jesus in two rooms. The first room is epic. It's big. The Lamb, worthy to open the scroll of human history, surrounded by more than a hundred million angels, zoomed out, wide-angle lens. In some ways, that whole scene can be summed up with the words, he's got the whole world in his hands. And then another room. The presence of Jesus in a room not too far from here. Jesus who comes to us in the darkness of our everyday fears and anxieties, whispering to, your, to our hearts, it is I. Do not be afraid. Because Jesus doesn't only have the whole world in his hands. He has you in his hands. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we love the way that you're with us in both the big moments and the small moments. We're so glad that when this world feels crazy and out of control and we feel uncertain, to know that you have the whole world in your hands. And Lord, we're also happy to know that when our lives feel out of control, that our lives are also in your hands. You are worthy Worthy to open the scroll. Worthy to be praised. Worthy to be loved by everything that we've got. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.